1: Hey, it's Lance, your host of Yesterday's Concert. Before we get this episode started, I want to take 25 seconds to tell you about my other show, Jam Journals. Jam Journals is a podcast that takes you on a journey through music history, featuring live performances from some of the most iconic concerts of all time. Each episode recounts a different concert experience through a dramatic narrative that brings the memories to life with vivid detail and emotion. Join us as we take a trip down memory lane of some of the most unforgettable concerts in recent history. Jam Journals is available everywhere you get podcast. Yesterday's concert is a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. After after that tour, I was in a pretty big low, and that's how we
0: ended up meeting. Was was in one of those kind of I was in one of those musical valleys. And this is again a testament, I think, to, to Jerry and, and and our friendship and and how we've structured this band for me the lows don't feel as low because we've set things up and communicate i think in a more realistic way it's it's probably because we're a little bit older and we've been through the industry a few times but one of the first things we talked about one of the big things that we want we've always wanted to maintain was was being sustainable in the in this project making sure that everything we do is sustainable that you know we can't be working 100-hour weeks or 120-hour weeks till 4, 5, 6 in the morning trying to get things done. You know, the, the work will get done when it gets done. The successes will happen when they happen. And knowing, having failed before, having gone through those lows, I think equips you and steals you so that when they happen, you don't feel, they don't hurt as bad. You don't hit as low of a low anymore because you've already gone through those experiences before. And... and...
1: Grab your earplugs for another episode of Yesterday's Concert, a podcast that celebrates live music. My name is Lance Ingram, and in this episode we talk to Jerry Hirschfeld and Chris Saginaeus of Wax Owls. We chat about the band's debut EP, Pursuing Your Passions, and why they'll never go back to being lawyers. Plus, they share why they'll never defend Britney Spears again either. So I'm here with Jerry and Chris of Wax Owls, incredible new band that I've just discovered and fallen in love with. Guys, how y'all doing today? You doing all right? Doing good. Yeah, doing it's well. Just, thank you. Was just
2: talking about the exorbitant amount of coffee that I've that I've consumed, but I'm doing I'm doing good.
1: <laughs> yeah, this, Jerry was telling us about drinking four cups of coffee this morning, whereas if I had four cups of coffee, this podcast would not be happening today, or it would be really really fast. It, it might be that option as well. So, but we'll see. So anyway, as well, first off, I want to know, how was Peach Fest you guys just played? Oh, man, it was so much fun. So we had
2: we had, I guess, played Peach Fest last year. But when I say played, I mean, we like sound checked, did our intro, and then a giant storm rolled through and the sound guy, the sound guy comes up to me like after I think it was the second song, maybe third song. And he goes, you got to get off stage right now and i thought he was messing with me because like he and i were kind of like just joking around before the show yeah. and I, so i kind of laughed he's like no i'm not kidding and i was like oh did i say something and he was like no there's a massive storm and everyone needs to take shelter right now and i was like oh and so i like went on the mic and did a psa anyway so so we had to come back and so we came back and it was a blast for a lot of reasons you know we had we had more people out there just to see us than the prior year which it's always a good sign. People singing along to the songs, which is also always a good sign. But we had some people who were like, I made it a point of coming back to Peach to see the rest of your set. So we're like, oh, yeah, sick. we're picking up where we left off. So that was cool. My Morning Jacket played, which is like one of my all-time favorite bands. So it was cool to see. But the, the biggest victory, they had water slides at this festival. Oh. And there's no lines at, at a festival water slide for i don't know why i mean if i was if i was doing festival psychedelics i think that would be an excellent choice <laughs> but uh, yeah after we played you know it's it's hot and humid in scranton pennsylvania and so we were like all right let's let's go in the lazy river let's go down these water slides it's a blast
1: that's fantastic chris how was your experience
0: yeah i mean it was great my my favorite sort of little point that happened was jerry was talking about the story about what happened and then halfway through he realized he's like people who are walking by might think i'm talking about a storm that's going to be happening now so how to like he it so everybody knows this is what happened last year please do not take shelter now because there were that's a couple funny. of people that definitely looked like they were concerned like uh, looking up like oh <laughs> is it going to down right now so but no it was a blast it was a blast to kind of it, it it was it felt like unfinished business until we until we actually finished the set there was i think I don't know about Jerry, but in the back of my mind, there was always this little thing like, all right, when's this going to happen again? Is it? Are we going to get through six songs today? Are we going to get through three? Like, when are, when are we going to get pulled off stage? Because we were checking the weather leading up to it, and and it was forecasting rain up until the day of the show. And even during the day of the show, it was like, oh, 50% chance of rain. So we we're like, oh, this is, it's going to be part two. We're going to get rained out
1: again. So getting through the set was, was already a victory enough for us. Man, that's killer. I love it. Well, so that's awesome. I'm happy you guys got to finish your set. So as is traditional on the show, we like to start with some icebreakers. So we'll just kind of segue into that. Uh, a little bumpy segue, kind of like some rained out storm set, but we, we'll make it there. So my first question for you guys, you guys started as lawyers, like we were kind of talking about before. What rock star do you think would make a great lawyer? Well, I, so I think this is
2: maybe a little bit of a cop out because we have some like evidence for it, but D. Snyder. I don't know if I don't know if you ever saw the video of when he yeah. was like testifying about censorship before Congress. But man, was that good? Like, like yeah. on, on top of him having all the attitude that you ought to have to be like a cool guy in court, which is an underappreciated component actually in court. But like he was he was the unassuming nature of like, oh, that guy probably does a lot of drugs is an idiot. I don't think that's true, D. If if you're listening, but he's uh,
1: actually a regular caller. He might actually call call. Yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah
2: yeah. Gonna... But but I think I think that the uh, other side kind of took his looks and underappreciated like the the validity and and logic that he was about to espouse. So I I think that would be a good one. My other answer, and this is just because like this guy will die on any hill, is Neil Young. Like mm-hmm. Neil Young, if 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 Neil Young, you were your attorney, you're either like winning or, or appealing all the way to the Supreme court. Like that's the kind of guy who will not quit.
1: That's fantastic. Great answer. Chris, you got anybody?
0: D. Snider is a sneaky, good one. So I'm going to give two for the same reasons that Jerry did. I think Dexter Holland from the offspring, just because I think he has like a PhD. So He's got the intellect to be a good lawyer for sure. And uh, I believe it's in something like biochemistry. So I I, I just think he would make a really good lawyer. And then on the other side, I would probably to to, the Neil Young answer would be probably Morrissey for the same reason. I think he would die on any hill that he gets. in a good
1: answer. Mm -hmm. So more. So talking about Morrissey, I'll edit this out. This is just off. But like Morrissey's coming to Memphis and I've never like I've never given Morrissey the time of day just because he's Morrissey. But he's coming to Memphis, and I was like, maybe I should go see him and see what this is about. And now I'm like hella hyped to go see Morrissey, and I, I haven't even listened <laughs> to like the first like Morrissey album. I'm just like, I don't care. Like, it's just I'm so hyped to go see him, and I have no idea why, just because he's coming to town. It's fantastic.
2: It's it, and and expect him to be kind of an ass. And it's like like get on that train. Like I, I I saw him in Chicago. He played a festival in Chicago when I was in there called Riot Fest, and you know he's like very outspoken vegan and all that obviously meat is murder is one of his records he refused to take stage until literally every food vendor that served meat closed for the night like he wouldn't go on stage and on the one hand i was like kind of pissed because i wanted to go home i like i wanted to see him play and then get a good night's sleep but on the other hand i was like Nah, like his thing is like, I'm an asshole. And I was like, do it, man. Be be that guy.
1: (laughs) Well, it's funny. Like you say that too, because I I saw Jason Isbell in town and, you know, like Memphis is barbecue. Like that's what we're known for. One of the things we're known for that in crime. And Jason Isbell was performing and he was talking about how like the air just smelled like barbecue. And he's like, it's somewhere Morrissey's getting pissed off at this city right now, just because it exists. And that's like one of my treasured like moments of concert history was that moment. But yeah, so Morrissey, that's interesting. I love it. So moving on to the second question. Oh, actually, no, I have a second part to that question. Which legendary rock star would you not want to represent?
2: Wait, that I don't want to represent? Like, I don't want to be there. as a client.
1: To- yes.
2: Can I give one that I actually did represent? Hell yeah. Britney Spears. Whoa, can you tell the story a little bit of that story? I can only tell so much. And, 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 and truth is like, so this was related to that conservatorship that all the, all the, the, got all the, when I was involved, it was before it was between Brittany and her father. It was like the conservatorship against an alleged former manager. And then after that, it kind of spun into between Brittany and her father. So I was not there for like that without any attorney client, client privilege violations,
1: was my least favorite case I ever worked on. And it's not close. Wow. That's insane. What, what was, what, without going into specifics, what was so difficult about it that made you dislike it? Well, one, the, one, the press component
2: was just kind of stressful, like, like the, the courtroom and, and more importantly, like right outside of the courthouse was just packed with people taking photos and stuff and asking for interviews. But the other thing was, like, because they have been such a successful enterprise for, you know, I don't know when Brittany broke out, mid-90s, there's not a lot of reality left uh, in it. And and so getting things done without having, like, blow-ups was nearly impossible. And so everything was urgent. And regardless of the outcome, everyone was always pissed, no matter what. And so it was just like that. And I, I guess I could say this one part. I had to do a declaration of somebody, like it was one in the morning that I had to type this up. And I mistyped their name. And, but I mistyped their name into words that are real words. I, 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 I so the Word document didn't give me the red squiggly line. So mm. somewhere in the publicly available, files of the Britney Spears case, there exists a declaration of chat, Hummer, like (laughs) chat, like conversation, Hummer, like the vehicle, because I was so underslept. That's awesome.
1: That's incredible.
2: That's so fantastic.
1: (laughs) Chris, how are you going to top that, dude? Morrissey. That's the answer. (laughs) (laughs) That's perfect, dude. I can't. (laughs) Bring it full circle. I love it, dude. All right. So can't even, we're just going to move on, man. Fantastic. All right. So you guys recently covered Rescued by the Foo Fighters on your Instagram. I saw, I've always kind of thought of them as a singles band, but they do make some great albums. What do you think is their best album?
0: Color and Shape for me. Oof. Going
2: classic. Yeah. I don't really listen to the Foo Fighters that much. (laughs) Why'd you cover the song, man? I know, I know. It was Chris's idea, and I was like, oh, it's a good idea, and then we did it. Color and Shape, what's on that one? What are the singles on that one? Like, yeah. Everything?
0: That's Hero, Monkey Ranch. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, then I'll, I'll go with that. It has yeah.
2: Everlong on it. It's I think that's the right choice. The, yeah. w- the one after that had a lot a lot that I liked.
0: Yeah, that had one. Like, to- like,
2: all my life I've been searching for something, something, da-da-da. Is that the one
1: after all that? My life
0: no yeah. i think I think that's actually the one after that one i think the one yeah. immediately after color and shape had learned to fly i think
1: that was the mm-hmm. big single off the the next record that's uh, the one where he's got the it's the back of his neck and it's got the foo fighters tattoo i think yeah that's the, yeah yeah
0: yeah i think i think the one with with all my life is the light bulb cover i think yes i think you're um, right too
2: I of, that, that I, one i got pretty into i just was blanking on the name of it but that I mean that da 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 like that like you hit the spot too with where I was as a guitarist at that point like it was like a simple riff that I could I could play but it had like this cool vibe to it so that's gonna be my pick if not color and shape
0: I also have a well, soft so- spot for their very first record th- that yeah. I think is completely underappreciated because it's kind of like it's kind of like Nirvana adjacent it's like pop Nirvana
1: mm-hmm. see pop like- Nirvana. I like Chris more right now. Cause he's Jerry, you, you let me down, man.
3: Let I'm sorry, know. man.
1: I'm sorry. Uh, I it's wanted to good. give an honest answer though. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Chris, you got a couple bonus points with me though. So there we go. All right. So last question and then we'll jump into the conversation. So you guys have really great harmonies. What band do you think did harmonies best? Of all time. Sure. Or even last year, it could, or this week, I don't know. Just whoever yeah, you want to Yeah,
2: so pick. I, well, I, as of late, I think it's Boy Genius. I, I think their harmonies are just Ooh. absolutely stunning. And I think that's a mixture of their, like, their choice in terms of harmonies, but also just like the blend that the three of their voices have. Like, Phoebe's got that kind of like wispy one. Lucy has, in my opinion, like the fullest. And then, oh gosh, I'm Julian, Julian. has that line when she kind of pushes it into that upper mid, it has that like little overtone game kind of like almost saturated sound. I think it, but, but all time it's hard not to, for me just to go to the Beatles. Like when I think because the world is round like that, it's hard to not pick that or like queen. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with one of those for like all times.
0: For more recent, I really like the highway women. I like what they okay. did uh again, yeah. kind of like boy genius super group so you've got you know some of the best female singers in the world blending their voices together i think that's i, I think everything I, I listened to off that record was beautiful all time it's hard to go between beatles and queen M- maybe if i were to thir- throw a third option beach boys just because the, the harmonies on pet sounds are so insane uh, th- that's yeah I, I don't really have one better than than those
1: All right. So I don't normally do this, but can I give you all my answer? I was going to ask, I was going to ask your opinion anyway. So I'm glad. Okay, cool. (laughs) So I just interviewed the, the journalist Mick wall because he wrote a book about the Eagles. And so I did a huge deep dive on the Eagles. And if you can get Joe Walsh to harmonize with like everyone else and it still sound amazing, I've got to give it to you. Like they, I mean, even like hotel California and all that stuff, like, he he sounds good like how do you make joe walsh sound good so like (laughs) to achieve that i gotta give it to the eagles man like that's so killer so yeah the eagles is mine even though they are what they are but
2: no that that that, that's an excellent choice i also i also like that there's brownie points for like the challenge Like, (laughs) like on top of
1: it sounding good you overcame the hurdle that is joe walsh's voice (laughs) <laughs> well, that's, I mean, even in the, I don't know if you've seen the Eagles documentary, that two-parter, and they say something about, like, when they bring Joe Walsh in the band, they're like, yeah, our guitar got better, but our harmonies got worse because of him. And so it's like, it was such a trade-off with bringing Joe into the band. But I mean, even, like, I saw them in, like, 2009. They still sound fantastic. They still can rope him in and make him sing well. So, I mean, that's, they overcame a lot. Like, it's easy to go, like, Crosby, Stills, a Nash or something like that, but, like, you got Joe Walsh in harmony. Kudos to you, man. Good job. Yeah,
2: no that that that's that's fair. And Crosby Stills and Nash is like great, but I think the best Crosby Stills and Nash is when Young was part of it. Mm-hmm. And then it's not really so much the harmonies as much
1: as it is like Neil Young's like weird, you know, way of singing. Yeah, I agree. Well, so that Icebreakers don't normally go this long, but this has been a lot of fun. So let's actually jump into the conversation and talk about you guys for a change. So I'm just gonna go straight into it. The Appetite is one of the best songs I've heard in like years. I'm just gonna say it. Like I'm gonna put that big of a stamp on it. I love that song. Fantastic song. Tell me the story about it. Tell me how it came to be.
2: So I, I, unlike most songs, where I have some sort of idea for the chorus, you know, you hear a lot of people talk about like, right, you got to have a chorus. I had that verse for a while, and that's not normally a place I I typically start with songwriting. But I was like, no, I think this is a good verse. It just, it needs the right chorus. And, and I just, I couldn't find one. I couldn't find one that like really landed. And I ended up just being like, so, so Chris and I also play like this sort of hired guns for this progressive metal band, Mm -hmm. which is not like Wax Owls, obviously. But they do a lot of like time changes, tempo changes, you know sometimes key changes and all that with, within a song. And I, I kind of after one of those rehearsals I was just like, you know what? Let me just try a different chorus. Like 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 something that wouldn't wouldn't be the natural flow that I would have expected from this verse. Because the chorus of that song, at least in part, is in seven, eight. And it's I think it's something like eight beats per minute slower than the verse, which you typically don't slow down. You either keep the same tempo or, or if anything, you would speed up in a chorus. But I just I couldn't find anything that felt right, and that like slowdown and that seven eight kind of groove that came with it just felt really cool, and so I was like, you know what? It feels natural even if it's like not really doing the rules of what like maybe an indie folk song would do, and so I was like, let's just put it together, and that's kind of that's kind of how the song came to be from like a, a like a musical stance, and then writing wise. One of the impetus to like really finish that song was, do you know, the band Jamestown revival.
1: I've heard of them. They're they like name only. They're, yeah, they're, okay. they're pretty
2: cool. Their, their manager happened to hit us up and was like, Hey, I, I really like your sound. Like you got anything new. And I was like, Oh, that'd be so dope. If he like, you know, wants to put us on tour opening for Jamestown. I think that would be a good fit. Mark, if you're listening, think that. <laughs> and I was like, all right, I gotta get this song done and i just kind of had that like mixture of like wanting to like jump into the next phase and like go kind of go for it fuck all kind of headspace and so that kind of influenced some of the lyrics that was that like ma- made the rest of the song hmm. it's been a fun song and it's been challenging because live we
0: play to a click so having to and and i'm the only one that's on the click so having to make sure that when we're going from from the we're doing the tempo changes and, and working and staying together that's been probably one of the most challenging things for us to do live but it's also honestly kind of the more, when we get through that song it's not so much a breath of relief but more like a sense of accomplishment that we made that i maybe don't feel going through some of the other songs i feel more automatic at this point where we're like we've done them so many times and they're comfortable and it's one tempo or one time signature, so getting getting through that one is definitely a lot more fun and, and a bigger sense of accomplishment and, and it's probably I don't want to speak for jerry but it's it's probably if not my favorite, in my top two for songs that we have released so it's it's nice to hear somebody else echoing that sen- sentiment
1: oh, it's fantastic and that's I, I want to talk more about it, but there's one specific so i'm I'm not a lyrics guy I talk about this on the show all the time like lyrics to me vocals are just like another instrument in the mix. I don't really necessarily pay like I'm more about the the melody than I am like the actual words coming out. But there was one line that just like jumped out and grabbed me. It was that maybe sometimes that's the bluff of recovery. Can you tell me kind of like what that like encompasses or like what it meant? Oh, so
2: part of it was like kind of coming out of that transition of like, you know, being an attorney. I was I was very, very, very depressed when I was working as an attorney. And and kind of trying to get better with mm-hmm. with like depression it has these like pitfalls where or for me I don't wanna, I don't want to speak for anyone else has these pitfalls where I'm like I did it <laughs> I'm not a depressed person anymore and then and then like you know give it a few days okay. uh, it's back and and so this like this like false sense of feeling that like things are completely past it's more like living I think I think the more accurate is like that you live with this challenge and you address it on a regular basis. And uh, ideally you address it in a more, in an increasingly like informed and healthy way, but it doesn't go away. And 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 the specific thing I had in mind with that, right, so I take, I take Prozac for, for my depression. And I was actually talking to Bobby about this the other day. Bobby played bass with us for a little while. And I was like, one of the things about good treatment is you start to feel like, like medication treatment, is you start to feel like, You don't need it anymore Mm. because it's doing what you want it to do. And so I went off Prozac, which I shouldn't have done. And it just kind of crashed for me. And it was that bluff. It was like, oh, you know, maybe, maybe I am good. Maybe like the chemical balance, maybe my headspace, maybe my life choices allow me to like, you know, not have to take this daily medication. And that was a bluff. It was like, no, no, you, you, you have to account for this all the time. You always have to
1: like be mindful that like, lifestyle choices affect your well-being mm. well that's and I, chris I, I hope i don't exclude you with this next question but no no one of the one of the reviews i was reading about you guys in your your music was that they said it was like an intimate musical hug that wraps you up and squeezes you but not too tight to suffocate and, and, I, and when i heard that it kind of framed the way i heard your music not just even the lyrics but just the music itself it's a very intimate style of music is that something that you're coming into writing and producing with that kind of mindset, or is that just kind of how it flows out of you?
2: I think it's probably a a little bit of both. Like, there's definitely an intent to, like, make it, you know, feel lush and warm, but also, at least I try, whether or not this is achieved, I try to, like, once I've written the song, which is usually either going to be, like, on an acoustic guitar or on the piano as, like, you know, just kind of a performing thing. Thinking about like what would be the coolest presentation of that when thinking about production, like Appetite, I wanted it to have a production style that felt pretty organic. So like I I don't have any synths in a, in that song going, and and I left in takes that were like they had you know I don't want to say mistakes, but like they weren't the most perfect you know performances because I thought it felt good and fit that song. But to compare it against the, the one we released right before that, which is Bring the Rain. Like I had more of a lush kind of like picturesque instead of kind of flawed production in mind. So for that one, I did a lot more, like the vocals, I did way more takes so I could really be like, oh, this is the right vocal take or like the piano has a lot more like processing and plugins that I put on it. I don't know if that fully answers it, but it's like the goal is to have a song that presents the way I would like it to be presented. And so I try to, adjust the production for that
0: Hmm. i think what we try to do and, and maybe this is what achieves that warmth or that that hugging feeling is to keep everything as organic as possible even even a lot of the sounds that are not organic or they don't sound organic are actually like they're things that we made like there's jerry which tune is it where we have the the trumpet case closing as a sound Oh, lie for me. Instead lie of me.
2: instead of like a snare sound, it's just the sound of the trumpet case shutting with, you know, some processing on it.
0: So even things like that, I, and, I, and I wonder, and I, you know, I don't know if this is a, a real thing or like a, a placebo type invented thing, but I wonder if actually using organic sounds to create and alter them to make them almost sound inorganic contributes, still contributes to that feeling of a warmth to it. So, I, I that's kind of one of my favorite things when, when Jerry and I get into the recording process or the production process is trying to figure out how can we make, how can we do this ourselves? How can we do something organically with real instruments, whether it's tapping on the rim of a drum or, or, a, I think we used a table or a chair, you know, with drumsticks and things like that to give these not real sounds but actually have them come from a real place and and i wonder if maybe that contributes to to what the what the author of that article was was writing about in addition to of course to you know the lyrics and the and the vocal melodies and things like that
1: but i mean when i hear like the the three songs that like come to mind the appetite bring the rain and time goes by like you, you guys are early in your career you have like you started this project in what 2020 like as far as like this so i mean when i hear the production value of these songs i'm astounded because they they feel so full it feels like a very like large production piece but yet you guys are diy a lot of this stuff like how are you doing like making these big sounds like that the the lecture of multi-tracking like we 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 literally do all of
2: the recording I don't know if, you know, if people are watching or listening in the room I'm sitting in is literally where all of the songs are recorded. And, you know, so sometimes Chris will come over, we'll bring it like, I'll just like bring over a Tom and he'll just bring over a big Tom. We'll hold up the mic and we'll like get it one way. And then we'll like to make it even bigger. We'll be like, all right, now let's put a t-shirt over the Tom to make it sound more deadened and, and, and Chris will tune it differently. So it has maybe a lower or higher kind of resonance. And we layer those together. But I think the luxury of recording at home is that, is that there's no time constraint. And so sometimes the recording process is sort of discovering and writing the parts while recording. And like, if we go down a rabbit hole that ultimately is like, ah eh, that was not the right one. It, you know, there's there's no harm, no foul. So we can test things like more harmonies or like, what if we tried this ethereal guitar part or versus an acoustic guitar playing that or, you know, Chris playing it on a tom first playing it on, you know, kick drum, you know, to give the, the song rings out longer. It might be cooler for the song, but that, that the luxury of DIY lets us experiment more and layer more. And so I think that's kind of how it gets that bigger sound sometimes. Yeah. I
0: mean, uh, we have a song that's not released yet that I think has gone through three or four different revisions because we've had that luxury of time and the luxury of trying out different choruses, different vocal melodies, different lyrics. Different productions it, it started out uh, uh, at least when Jerry presented to me, it was just an acoustic guitar in his voice and I was like, that's it. We don't have to do anything. and then he built out a built out a more produced version of it, and we sat with it. And we liked it. we we demoed it, we played it live a couple times, and then we're like, you know what? It's still not where it needs to be. So went back, changed it again, and I think where it sits now is almost kind of a happy medium between where it started the second version and and where it is now. and then Sorry, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> you oh, should no, have four cups gonna, of coffee. I should have no. What I was going to say. Sorry, I, I got it back. What I was going to say is full full kudos to Jerry because when we when we started the project and Jerry, you can correct me if I'm wrong, he had a very very basic understanding of of GarageBand and Logic and and to see the growth between then and now and the production and where we came from our very initial demos to to the songs that are released. I mean. Full credit, full credit, and kudos to him for putting in the work and and the time to get better at it, get better at that as a craft. Because songwriting, of course, is a craft, but production is production is a, is another craft all all on its own. So I just want to give him give him the spotlight and give him the attention for that because it takes a it takes a ton of work and and it does not go unnoticed. Thank so you. That was actually
1: that was actually one of my my questions. I mean, you you had completely different careers prior to this. And I'm listening to these songs. I'm like, dude, this sounds like it's like mastered at, you know, some major studio or something. It seems like, I mean, the production value is insanely high. Like, I mean, how did you get that level of quality so quickly?
2: You know what it probably is attributable to is when I worked as a lawyer, I really hated it. And and so I would spend all of my time when I wasn't actually having to write briefs or going to court just watching like tutorials on how to use logic. Cause I, I I didn't have logic when we, when we very first started. Uh, Yeah, I could, I could do like some very, very rudimentary stuff on, on GarageBand, but I wanted to kind of learn it and I didn't like my job. So it motivated me more to just be like, all right, I got, I got an hour to kill. Like, let's, let's learn this like mixing trick or let's learn this like, I don't know, production trick. So I think it's actually largely attributable to that. And then just, and then just doing it a lot. Like, I, I, I I write with and produce a number of other artists. And I think just because I'm doing it with some degree of regularity, I think it just helped me improve at it and, and get better at being like, this is the sound
1: I'm imagining. Here's like the steps that probably will get me there. That's Chris, I don't want to exclude you again. So I'm going to ask you this. you, you were a lawyer prior as well, correct? Yes that's what I thought. Did you hate your job too? Yes, oh yeah. <laughs> okay, that's perfect. Great. This, question, oh, yeah. this this question will go over well. Yeah. Okay, so you both hated your job. You hated what you did. Why did you go into it instead of like did you think you were going to like it or was it just like the music was pulling you the longer you were in? It? What was that like what was that pull there?
0: Chris, you want to take this one? Sure. So, you know, I I've, I've been playing in bands since I was a kid, probably since I was 10 years old or so. And the the short version of the backstory is my, my parents didn't go to college. So there was a big, you know, it was a big focus of like, you're the first one to go to college, all of that. And while I was in college, I truthfully didn't know what I wanted to do. And I had another cousin who, who was an attorney. And in my senior, I think it was my senior year of college, I interned at her law firm in the music department. And I was like, okay, I, I think like, it seemed like a cool job at the time. And, and, you know, the way I kind of, Pictured it was, I'm still pursuing music as, as what I want to do. But the education, the knowledge, the background, um, you know, you hear all those stories, especially of artists in the early days of rock and roll, the, the between the 50s and 60s, uh, early British invasion of getting screwed over because they had bad management, they signed terrible contracts. And, and you know, you hear that that's, that's a pretty common trope in, in music history. So I was like, well, on the one hand, I'll get this great education to protect myself. And then secondly, if my music crew doesn't pan out, if it's not something I can make a career of, then that's what I could do. I was aspiring to be the, the music attorney that could help other artists not get screwed over. And the reality was when I graduated that, I mean, I graduated during the height of the 2008 recession, so nobody was getting jobs. There was, you know, the, the law school debt was piling up and law school and Jerry, I think can, can echo this sentiment. Law school does not prepare you for what actual practice and the day-to-day of being an attorney is. It, it prepares you how to think like an attorney, how to do research, and, and a lot of other things. But the actual day-to-day, living your life in six-minute increments and billing and, and what, what you do, I, I, for me, at least my law school experience, it did not prepare me for that. And, and once I got into practicing It was such a, such a shift from what I thought it was going to be and what I had expected it to be that, that, that within, within a very short period of time, I was like, okay, what can I do to get out of
1: this? (laughs) Mm. I, I can echo that. I mean, I have two degrees, one in journalism and one in marketing, and neither of them prepared me at all for like the realities of the job. Like, I mean, like I have, like I even doing like four years of journalism school, like I was not a journalist when I graduated. Like, the only reason I could interview anyone is because I went out and did it on my own. Or, like, I had conversations at parties. That, like, that's where I learned how to interview people. Like, was talking to drunk frat guys who were hanging over a balcony and, like, figuring <laughs> out their life story and why they were doing that. But, like, I mean, even the same with marketing. So, like, it, it seems like, Jerry, is that kind of, like, similar to your, like, is that kind of your story as well? Or
2: I Actually, I think mine was, a, like, a, a lot less intentional than than chris's might have been i was working as a musician when i graduated uh undergrad and i felt like i needed some sort of stable income for when i wasn't on the road because i was touring pretty regularly and my buddy was this was like before like uber was a real viable option otherwise honest to god i probably would have just been like all right i'll, I'll drive uber um my buddy was like i think you can do well on the lsat which is which is the law school entrance exam and he said, if, if you do well enough, you can actually just get a job teaching that because you don't have to have a lot of degree to teach the entrance exam, the LSAT, and it might be a good part-time job. So I actually took the LSAT just so I could teach it when I wasn't on the road. And, and then after doing that for a few years, I kind of had this like, maybe it's time to grow up. Like, I, I don't really have any viable skills that like are employable. So I kind of went to law school just cuz I I had the the pieces to apply. And then I did it. And I liked
1: law school and then I didn't like the practice. Mm-hmm. Well so I mean that's like this I guess this is kind of a two part question then so like what is success for wax owls and then if success doesn't pan out for some reason which I'm advocating that it does what do you go back to being lawyers? Like, do you just try again? Like, I mean, it sounds miserable. It seems like this is where your heart is. This is where your passion is. Is that like, can you speak to that? I think that.
2: I think something I've I've at least made a conscious effort of avoiding since uh, working as an attorney is, is, is having a, like a fixed amount of like, oh, when, when this happens, then you have crossed the threshold from not success to success. Uh, and like when I left, I kind of resolved that, like, I I know this is maybe a little bit of a, like a hippy dippy kind of woo woo crystal answer, but if it's, if it's, if it's bringing in life experiences that I, I appreciate, which, which it is already, then I I think that it's already a success. Don't get me wrong. I would love to be able to live very comfortably from the income of wax owls and not do anything else. But I didn't want to make that my marker at any point. And the reason for that is uh, the more I think about it that way, the more the times that I'm not there, I start feeling like, crap, I got to get there or I'm failing, which puts like, uh, in my opinion, an unsustainable approach. Like, I ended up being like, crap, I got to do this. I got to do this. And if it doesn't happen, then I've failed, I failed. Then I got to, you know, then I give up and, and kind of treating it more as like, there's, there's not a target as much as it is, is like, this is what I want to be doing. And so I'm going to do it. And so I'm, I'm, I'm doing it. So I'm happy. And so I, I guess that's a sidestep of an answer, but I, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure when something would constitute success, if not already having like, you know, we just talked about peach. That was a blast. We had like some cool sinks on shows that like, you know that was sort of a dream that i got to like achieve so I, I i don't know and and as far as going back to being an attorney i think i can answer that one definitively no uh,
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> like if 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 i'm not doing music in some sort of you know professional or semi-professional capacity it's not going to be law and i i don't know what it would be but like i i have a situation now where between music and and actually teaching the lsat i'm i'm able to sustain an income And I'm really happy with all the experiences, so I I I don't foresee it as like a well. If I don't get to this like marker sometime in the next year or two years or whatever, then I'm gonna have to go back to being a shell of myself. (laughs)
1: Hmm.
2: Sorry, (laughs) long winded, Chris. No, I love it.
1: No, go for it. I love it.
0: Yeah, I mean, not surprisingly, I think I think my answer falls along similar lines. I definitely like. There's. I'll answer in, in in reverse. There's there's no way I'm going back to being an, uh, an attorney. That's that's absolutely not in the cards. It, it wasn't even in the cards or something I would think about had wax owls not even happened. I think I was on that path of of walking away from from law pretty much permanently um, before you know before the pandemic. As far as success, you know. I think it depends on your perspective, right? So, you know, it, it, from an outsider's perspective, you know, getting signed to a major label is success or being able to sustain this from a from a financial perspective is a success. But I, I don't know, in a million years, I would have said, you know, we were going to play Bonnaroo or we were going to do Peach Fest or get, like like Jerry said, get those sinks. So life experiences with good people is, is you know, these the, the memories are going to, yes, Money is good. It's nice to have a stable income and have a roof over your head and make sure you're not worried about where your, you know, your next meal is coming from. But getting getting to have these life experiences with with the people that we care about is is what's what's most important. To answer the the question from 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 that perspective, yeah, I think success would be when Jerry and I are only doing this full time and it's the only source of income and 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 we don't have to do anything else. Yeah, I th- I think that is a version of success but it's not the only version of it it's not the only one that i think is important to us and it's not it's not the the marker that we're setting out in the distance to be like okay until we reach that then we're not successful i think we've already been successful in in, in things that we've accomplished uh, to date.
1: I, I really like both of your answers and like i consider this podcast and like an entrepreneurial thing so and i'm kind of relating to you on that experience level so One thing I think about with like what I do through this podcast is like the highs and lows are so much more extreme through this. Like the highs are incredible because I'm doing it on my own, whereas the lows really, really hurt. Can you speak to that about this project?
2: For sure. (laughs) I mean, I I think probably the same or similar thing is in the podcast where like, When an opportunity comes, whether it happens or even just like the potential for an opportunity, you're, you're elated and you're, or I'm elated. You know, so we we talked about, you know, when, when we found out we were going to get to play Bonnaroo, which was like Mm -hmm. the first major festival I ever went to was my freshman year of college, or I guess the summer after my freshman year of college. And I was like, oh my God, I get to play that festival. That was such like a formative life experience. So excited. Some of the, some of the sinks on bigger TV shows, so excited. But then there's like the lows where like after the festival and then you like try to get like a booking agent and they're like, well, how many tickets are you worth? And you're like, not that much. And they're <laughs> like, ah, well then we're not interested. Or I honestly, even, even just this week, and I don't know if it's going to happen or not, but we had like a meeting with some guy who like runs a label, kind of floated a potential record deal. Or like some version of a record deal, our, our way, and I was so stoked, super high. Then I talked a little bit more, and it was like, oh, this isn't going to happen. It's like it, like the the pieces that need to be for this to happen, we're we're not getting it. And then I was like so bummed for a day, and I was like, what do I even do? Like, I, I I don't know the next step. And then I got a text from somebody that maybe it still is going to happen, and then I was happy again, and I was like. <laughs> Damn, my my well being is way intertwined <laughs> with like external things, and I, I I don't even think that's healthy. I'm not I'm not even trying to advocate that that's the right thing, but boy, like the highs are high, and I get like very proud of myself. And the lows are low, and I get very discouraged.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: I I think entrepreneur is is the right word, like you said with the podcast. You know where. We're small business owners, you know what 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 all of us are doing, what you're doing what we're doing is is not much different than if we decided to open up a, a pastry shop you know we're we're still putting in all of our time, all of our resources, all of our energy into a thing that we love about a, a love and and a thing that we care about i I don't think it's perceived that way by the public, but i but to me, I think that's really what we're doing we're We're small business owners and we're entrepreneurs, so each little win is huge whether it's a small win you know or a big win and and each and each loss whether small or big you feel it it's magnified just because it's so tied to who we are as people you know i've been playing i like i said i've been playing in band since i was 10 but i've been playing the drum since i was two years old like i've been doing this basically as long as i could walk jerry's been doing this basically as long as he can walk like this is as much a part of who we are as 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 breathing so everything and again much like the podcast and, and and even much like running a a pastry shop your success is not entirely dependent on your skill it is dependent on how the public receives it if you make you can make the best croissants in the world but if the public doesn't enjoy them or they don't go to your shop or they don't know how to get there it doesn't matter it's all for naught and, and You know it's the same thing same thing with what we're doing we could be we could be the 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 we're not but we could be the beatles but if nobody hears it if nobody cares if it doesn't resonate then then you know we feel that way and and we know it and we feel it internally but it's it can be it can be kind of a crushing crushing feeling when you don't get that that response
1: this is a little hippy dippy but like where does the music carry you to the next moment i mean in those lows and in the i mean i just think as a creative like to be able to pour myself like i watched bo burnham's inside when it came out and the whole time i was watching it i wasn't so it was impressive what he did but i was envious of the process to creating his what he was doing like that was the part of it that i was like i wish i had gone through a project like that because that looks like fun to create how much of it is it for you guys to have the music carry you between those lows and those highs.
2: So in the lows, I'll start being like, all my songs are crap. Every song, every song is bad. And the only thing that's worse than the songs that we have released are the songs that I haven't yet released. And, (laughs) and, and so there, there, there's, I, I know this is a little different than, than, you know, kind of pouring yourself in for me, it's a recharge. Like I, I, I would love to be like, Oh, let me take all this like down feeling and like put it into working harder. I don't think that's true for how I operate though. Actually, I think when it's like down feeling for me, it's like, all right, well, let's watch some YouTube woodworking videos and stuff just to calm your brain. And then when I'm like feeling a little bit more equipped to address how I'm feeling, pull out the guitar, Oh, turn on the, I was going to say, pull out the piano, but it's, you know, it's, it's an electronic <laughs> keyboard. turn on the piano and, and, you know, see if I land on something that goes, makes me go, Oh, that was cool. And when that happens, it comes flooding back. Like, Oh, I cannot wait to finish this song and, 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 and show Chris and be like, Hey, what do you think of this? Where can we take this?
0: Chris? Yeah. For, for, for me, it's twofold. One, a- and maybe this is the case for most people. I'm not gonna say that this is unique, but but it's always felt like in my lowest moments when I'm like, okay, this is it, I'm walking away from music, I'm done. I can't I can't do it anymore. My my I'm emotionally spent, you know, and and all of those things is when the next big thing happens, is when that breakthrough happens. You know, the first time again, this is this is not wax owl stuff, but but the first time it was like, okay, that's it, I'm 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 25 years old, I can't do this anymore, I have to grow up and get a real job and do it, blah, 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 blah. Get signed to a major label. Then the next time after that, I was like, okay, I'm making no money. I'm in a new. It was after I moved to LA, and and I'm in a new city. I've got no friends, and and every band that I was auditioning for, I either wasn't getting the gig, or they were like, quite frankly, they were bad. I end up getting on audition for an artist who was signed to Atlantic Records and doing a tour with him and playing some incredible venues. And then you know, it, it's it's that peak and valley thing where I get that low then i get that high and then you get the low again and after after that tour i was in a pretty big low and that was in that's how we ended up meeting was was in one of those kind of i was in one of those musical valleys and you know we hit it off and i i this is again a testament i think to to jerry and, and and our friendship and and how we've structured this band for me the lows don't feel as low because we've set things up and communicate i think in a more realistic way it's it's probably because we're a little bit older and we've been through the industry a few times but you know one of the one of the first things we talked about one of the big things that we want we've always wanted to maintain was was being sustainable in the in this project making sure that everything we do is sustainable that you know we can't be working 100-hour weeks or 120-hour weeks till 4, 5, 6 in the morning trying to get things done. You know, the, the work will get done when it gets done. The successes will happen when they happen. And knowing, having failed before, having gone through those lows, I think equips you and steals you a bit so that when they happen, you don't feel, they don't hurt as bad. You don't hit as low of a low anymore because you've already gone through those experiences before. And, and having someone to share it with, having somebody who, you know, the, the, we pick each other up constantly and, you know, there's being in a band, being in a working relationship like this is no different than being in any other relationship, being in a marriage, you know, you can, you can relate to this, you know, a marriage is not 50, 50. There are times where you're going to be pulling your weight a little bit more than your wife. And there are times when she's going to be pulling her weight a little bit more than you, you know, for whatever life reasons there are. And I feel that way with us. You know, there, there are times when Jerry's got to drag me along because I'm, I'm not pulling my weight for whatever reasons, you know, life reasons, depression reasons, whatever it is and and vice versa. And I know I'm probably getting a little bit away from from the genesis of the question, but I think those are the things that kind of help maintain a, a healthy working relationship and and get through those those power through those low moments so that you can get back to 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 even and then and then hit another high.
1: Man, that was great. No, I love I love where you went with that. Like I mean, I think too it speaks to the relationship the two of you have and just kind of how that plays into the music i mean and that's you know we talked earlier about kind of the intimacy of the music that's translating from your friendship to some degree i mean like there has to be some level of connectivity that's generating and empowering what you're putting out there so i mean i think it's all translating so as we kind of start I'm, I'm realizing what time it is so as we kind of start to wrap up i realize we haven't talked about your new ep that's coming out can you tell me about that real quick <laughs> Oh, yeah, we got an EP coming out. I'm not sure when, although we're having a meeting today after to maybe
2: have a little bit more details, but it's going to be called Cowboy Cologne. And it's called that because there's this plant in Southern California that grows kind of wild. It's this kind of sage. It's colloquially called Cowboy Cologne, and it smells really good. And we thought it would be funny to name a plant after a plant like that. I also think that double, like, you know, cowboys stink cowboy cologne Mm -hmm. like i don't know maybe the album's but it's coming out soon we're really excited about it it'll have on it our, our latest two singles appetite and bring the rain as well as i think we're gonna probably put like four other songs on it so be on the lookout for that cool other than being excited to finally
0: release an ep you know we live in we live in the era of singles and and that's what we've been doing is trying to release a single every you know every few weeks so it's nice to have a collection of songs that we can release in one one package and and give people a more well-rounded experience and and release some songs that you know quite frankly not every song you're going to write or release is a single so it'll be nice to have some album cuts on there that that i think are more maybe experimental or maybe a little bit left of center so it'll be nice to give people something that's not not single driven something to listen to
1: Gentlemen, Jerry, Chris, this was fantastic. So pumped for you guys. I love your music. I can't wait to hear the full EP. Can't wait to see you headline all the massive arenas and stadiums around you will know, out below Taylor Swift on her tour. Can't wait Naturally. to see you do all that. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's in the cards. Like it's going to yeah. happen. Like you will double like Beyonce and Taylor Swift's tour numbers. So, just get used to it. Uh, so, but no, seriously, I, I do love your music. I'm very pumped to see you guys grow and get, see what else you put out. But uh, thanks so much for chatting today. Thank you
2: so much for having
1: us.
0: Yeah, thank you. We really appreciate it. And uh, for setting those realistic expectations of where we're going to end up.
1: (laughs) Completely realistic. Anything less will be a massive failure. Let's just be honest about this. (laughs) I'm Lance Ingram, and this is Yesterday's Concert. Thanks for listening to another episode of my show. For more live music podcasting, check out our other show, Jam Journals. If you're feeling kind, give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And check us out on all the social media platforms email us at info at yesterdaysconcert.com or visit our website, yesterdaysconcert.com. So until next time, give us a subscribe, tell your friends, and most importantly, take care of your shoes.
3: It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football